Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Greetings, brothers and sisters. I want to welcome you to another podcast episode, Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. Have an important topic we're covering today. It's called the loss of manhood. We recently just got back from a men's conference in Frankfurt, Indiana at Harmony Baptist Church, which pastored by Darren Stid, uh, Jason Storms, the national director of OSA, uh, put together this uh, man's boot camp. And uh, wow, what a tremendous time we had. And it was just some good kingdom fruit uh, produced by this conference. And from what I understand from Jason, we've already got uh, several Uh, invitations uh, to bring this training uh, to other churches throughout the United States of America. So we're very much excited about these kingdom opportunities to see uh, biblical masculinity and manhood uh, restored uh, to the church of Jesus Christ. But before I get to that important topic, the loss of manhood and what that means for our future, I did want to touch on a couple of uh, things that recently uh, came to pass and really to solicit uh, your prayers, brothers and sisters, and your participation. So uh, first, uh, recently I did a Facebook post. It was called A Humble Plea. And for those of you who may not be familiar, uh, the Lord, it appears, has... uh, granted me another kingdom assignment, which is to move to the Melbourne area of Florida and start a church called the American Reformation Church. And it's based on the four F's. And we really want this to be an antidote to the poison that's just killing our nation. And the four F's are faith, fatherhood, family, and freedom. And so we're kind of presenting this vision and mission. And I've been astounded, honestly, how people have responded to the call to start this church uh, in Florida. Uh, It has been very favorable, a lot of confirmation, a lot of affirmation. Uh, The folks locally are very excited, getting behind the work, helping to prepare the way, and even got brothers and sisters throughout America that are honestly right now praying uh, to move and to come help uh, build this work in Florida. And so God is doing exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or think according to his power that's in us and prayerfully will work through us 
uh, to start this work in Melbourne, Florida. But getting back to the humble plea, um, A, there truly is an excitement in my spirit that I haven't um, had in quite some time. And what I mean by that, I always have a drive each morning that I wake up opening my eyes. I always have a drive to serve the Lord, uh, to advance his kingdom, to minister the gospel of the kingdom. That has never waned, no matter what we have gone through, the good, the bad, the ugly, setbacks, defeats, victories, you know, no matter what, there's always has been a drive in my spirit to serve God, even though in the flesh, you know, getting older, weakened in the way, but that has not dampened my spirits uh, in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but I got to tell you, just the prospect of thinking and praying about starting this work in Florida, there's a genuine excitement in my spirit. And I got to believe that's God's energizing grace um, to move forward, to roll up our sleeves, to get to work, uh, to establish this church, you know, to be salt and light in that community, you know, fulfill the Great Commission, and advance the gospel of the kingdom. So very much excited about that. And uh, we are working very, very hard right now, uh, preparing our property in Texas uh, for when we leave and working in Florida to establish a new home base and, of course, uh, looking to establish the church location and I'm here to report, we got a lot of favor locally. There's already a team on the ground uh, headed up by Pastor Jason Brown. He's a tremendous brother. He's a church planner, and he is backing and supporting this work. A lot of other pastors and churches are involved. So again, just incredible favor uh, from the Lord as we begin this next great kingdom adventure and serving him. But my point Two, point B, is though there's an excitement in my spirit, there's also a sort of God-given pressure. Because um, one of the things I shared is I, I don't want just to be involved with just a religious formality of starting a church that only produces dead religious works in the earth. Uh, we see so much of that today and uh, and I'm just having frank conversations with the Lord along those times and as I'm seeking him really the the um, the response has been a greater desire for me personally and my family to sort of go further up and further in in consecrating ourselves unto this work. Uh, literally this season to set apart, to fast, to pray, um, to move closer, you know, to the Lord, to draw nearer to him. Uh, obviously, uh, to start a church, you know, to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ and, and then to build according to the word of God, um, trusting that uh, as we put our hand to this 
kingdom plow that God's going to watch over his word to perform it. And so, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, there's one plant, one waters, but God gives the increase. And so I was just asking brothers and sisters who either directly or indirectly is going to be involved in this church plant, the American Reformation Church. Uh, if you would so please join with us to dig in um, to enter this season of consecration uh, as we seek the Lord to start this good work. You know, the scripture talks about, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul declaring that he wanted to, you know, be fit for the master's use, you know, to be prepared to do, you know, good works in his name. And and, and honestly, brothers and sisters, that's the desire of my heart. I really want to see God show up and show off. We desire to see Christians uh, discipled and mentored, uh, doing the work of the ministry, you know, fighting the Lord's battles. You know, we want to establish, you know, mercy ministries, you know, evangelistic ministries, you know, prophetic ministries, especially in the civil sphere. Um, we just want to be, you know, firing on all pistons, uh, advancing the gospel of the kingdom from all the different angles that God has called his church to do and to be in the earth. Obviously, that's going to take leadership. That's going to take laborers. That's going to take prayer warriors. It's going to take finances, resources, and so we are really digging in, seeking the Lord, because once this hit, you know, we want it to go deep into the ground, have deep roots, and, uh, and that those roots would be nourished by God's truth, by his Holy Spirit, by his word, and that, uh, again, the, the church will be edified, uh, the saints will be sanctified and built up in their most holy faith, and that those that are outside of the faith, faith uh, the lost, will be found. And so we are asking God, the Holy Spirit, to lead, to guide, to move, to draw, to sanctify, and to perform his mighty works amongst the sons of men. So Brothers and sisters, I'm just making this known to you. We surely desire your participation, again, whether it's directly uh, involved in the work or even indirectly. Uh, we would love for you to join with us in this time of consecration, seeking the Lord, desiring his anointing, his holy unction that destroys the yoke and sets the captives free. That's what we're seeking, brothers and sisters. So uh, if you will, uh, join with us. And together, let's put our hand to this kingdom plow. Don't look back. Keep pressing on. Amen. So thank you so much for that. Um, the second thing I wanted to cover is this past Saturday, we were in Austin, Texas at the state capitol. I was invited by our dear brother, Bradley Pierce, uh, he's the head of abortion, Abolish Abortion Texas. And I'm going to put uh, his link uh, in this episode. 
And I would encourage you, if you're from the state of Texas or even beyond, uh, check out that website and and get get signed up, get involved. Uh, we were there uh, supporting two bills of abolition. One was in the House and one was in the Senate. And uh, it was just tremendous to be there with Bradley and some precious brothers and sisters in the Lord that I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, but we, you know, we just came together. We lifted high the name of Jesus. We faithfully presented the gospel of the kingdom. And we challenged the church and the state to do their duty uh, to rise up once and for all and no longer regulate baby murder as we have done for the last 50 years, but actually rise up and end it, abolish it once and for all uh, in the state of Texas. And one of the things I reminded of those gathered and those who listened live stream um, that, you know, four years ago, Governor Abbott made a promise to my son, Jeremiah Thomas, just before he passed. And if you remember, Jeremiah had this incredible conversation with the governor, calling upon him to do his duty as a governor, as a magistrate in Texas, to abolish abortion. That was his wish uh, before he passed away. And Governor Abbott uh, declared to him, uh, your wish has been granted. And that was four years ago. And we're still waiting for him and the state of Texas to keep their word, their promise to my son. And if you're in the state of Texas, um, you can take these two bills, one in the House and one in the Senate. Uh, I forget the numbers. You can go to uh, Abolish Abortion Texas to find the bill numbers. But you can use that to constant, you know, to uh, contact, you know, your representative, your senator, you know, the lieutenant governor and the governor office. Uh, they are still negligent in keeping that promise to my son. And if they'll get behind these bills and pass it, then they can truly say your wish has been granted. So. Anyway, just wanted to communicate those two things for you to you today. And now let's get on to our main message, the loss of manhood. And so we're going to start today in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 7. Here's the word of the Lord. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So in chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation, this specific saying is quoted to all seven churches. After all the different admonishments that brought biblical correction to the seven churches, our Lord made this profound statement. And it was a call to each church addressed to pay attention to the Holy Spirit and how he was applying God's word, will, and way specifically to them in their day. 
And what was the saying again? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So I began the conference asking the men to look around us in our day. What possibly are the biblical themes, topics, and truths that would uh, have the Holy Spirit, you know, bring to our attention? And I truly believe one of them so crucial to the future welfare of individuals, families, churches, and our communities is to address the deplorable state of manhood in the modern era and what is needed to restore biblical masculinity. Even the world, this is amazing, as I, as I studied, you know, on this topic, the loss of manhood, and just looked up statistic after statistic, data after data, all pointing to all the ways that manhood is being attacked and diminished. It, it literally boggled my mind. But the point is, even the world recognizes the wretched state of masculinity in our nation. And so here were some of the things I was asking the men to consider in this current crisis as our nation pursues the feminization, feminization of masculinity and the masculization of femininity. So I didn't show it. I, I was going to do the trailer. But Tucker Carlson had a documentary he called The End of Men. Now, I haven't watched it. I only watched the trailer. But the trailer enough was, was uh, illuminating uh, in demonstrating that something even medically, physically, is happening to the state of manhood. Um, in fact, uh, in the trailer it talked about spermageddon spermageddon and he's showing scientifically that the the sperm levels in men in this day is being drastically reduced and they're calling it spermageddon um, and this kind of correlates uh, with another warning that the testosterone levels in men have dropped almost 50% in the last two decades. So an average 22-year-old male today has roughly the same testosterone levels of a 67-year-old had in the year 2000. In June, I'm going to be 67 years old. And these stats are staggering. The other problem is, as testosterone levels go down in men, estrogen levels are going up in men. There's been an increase in these last couple of decades. Now, I want you to be mindful that estrogen is the sex hormone responsible for the development and regulation of the female reproductive system. Now, it is in both, like both male and female have estrogen and testosterone. Okay, but estrogen is to be far more dominant in the female. But what's happening right now? Testosterone levels in men are going down, and the levels of estrogen are going up in men. 
And when there's too much estrogen in the male, this is some of the consequences. It leads to stomach weight gain, the belly, lethargy, fatigue, brain fog, insomnia, can't sleep, mood swings, irritability, low sex drive, depression, and anxiety. Okay, so I don't know if you as a man are dealing with any of that, uh, but one thing you might want to check is your testosterone levels. Because if they are low and estrogen has gone up in you, these are the serious medical consequences that come with that development. Now, we have to look at why. Why in this generation are these things happening? Why are they warning of spermageddon? Why are they warning of low testosterone levels in men and higher levels of estrogen? You know, where is this coming from? What does it do? Well, there's definitely been a tampering with our food, um, the GMOs. And I don't know a whole lot about that. Uh, it would probably be do good to research it. But there's no doubt that our food supply has been tampered with. And this could be one of the causes. We know there's environmental issues that are involved big pharma and one of the main causes is that when it comes to work labor that we we're you know we're changing our economy no longer are most men doing physical labor we're moving from physical labor to sedentary desk-bound work in other words most men today are either you know, sitting before a screen doing video games where they're fighting a virtual battle and not a real battle or watching sports instead of playing sports. Uh, but they're also for their economic welfare and livelihood sitting before screens all day long. And this has contributed to obesity, uh, to the fatigue, you know, the brain fog you know, the insomnia, uh, because God made specifically men to be aggressive, to be active, you know, to conquer, to invent, to discover, to explore. And uh, we are, we no longer seem to have that drive. It's like we've been tamed, we've been pacified uh, to the point uh, we are we are literally losing our physical strength. Uh, there was a, another study by occupational therapists, and they determined that young men in this day they're literally losing their grip, the strength of their hands. It says that um, they found that men younger than thirty has significantly weaker hand grips than their counterparts in 1985 and so on and on and on it goes and again this is just medically this is just physically this is not just the in, in the cultural rot you know the moral dilemmas and the, the spiritual state of manhood the, these are just physical medical uh, assaults against manhood and so as i begin to explore more um the stats were just heart-wrenching uh 
One stat mentioned that men are four times more likely to commit suicide than women. Now, I know, you know, both men and women deal with depression at times and they're hurting. And, you know, sometimes they try to commit suicide as a cry for help. You know, does anybody care? Does anybody still love me? You see, I'm hurting to the point of death. Uh, but there's one major difference between men and women when they come to see suicide. You know, God created men to act, to do. And um, typically, once a man decides he's going to kill himself, he does it. Uh, he just flat out follows through and he gets the job done. Not to say that women don't follow through, but the comparison is not even close. Uh, men, when they decide to commit suicide, most of the time they follow through with it. It's not just a cry for help. They are acting on what they're thinking. And of course, it's a tragedy. Um, men are most like 80 to 90%, and it depends on which crime, but it's mainly men that are being arrested and thrown in jail. Obviously, there's some women in jail. They do commit crimes, but men, the majority of criminals are men, um, which means they're languishing in jail. Um, not to say that they don't deserve it. I'm just saying that this is the state of men as compared to women. More women than men are now enrolling in college. Um, most professors in college, most teachers in public school are female, which means the boys being raised in America, the majority of the influence of forming their minds and their, their vision of manhood is, you know, influenced by women. Most are feminists. Um, so you can imagine the toll that it's taken on the male psyche. Uh, men, um, they're actually making less money now than they ever did before. And I think it's because of this desk-bound work. Um, you know, obviously, women, you know, are very capable, um, maybe some, in some ways even superior to men when it comes to, you know, desk-bound work. Um, and so uh, a lot of the, you know, the ways that our manhood was expressed in work has dramatically changed. And again, this has consequences on our bodies, on our mind, on our moral and spiritual makeup as men. And uh, I just came across uh, some of these quotes concerning masculinity amongst American men. This is a guy named Norman Mailer. He's an American novelist. He said, because there is very little honor left in American life, there is a certain built-in tendency to destroy masculinity in American men. On the political front, Senator Josh Hawley he gave a keynote speech at the National Conservatism Conference, and uh, he accused the political left of seeking to refine traditional masculinity 
as toxic. And this is what he called for. And I truly believe this needs to happen. He called for a revival of strong and healthy manhood in America. So here's his quote. This is an effort that the left has been at for years now, and they've had alarming success. American men are working less. They are getting married in fewer numbers. They're fathering fewer children. They're suffering more anxiety and depression. They're engaging in more substance abuse. Now, he went on to state that he didn't want to paint all men as victims, but he did blame the left for wanting to define or redefine traditional masculine virtues like courage, independence, assertiveness, and he's saying the way the left is presenting this, it, it's coming off as a danger to society. So he goes on to say, can we be surprised that after years of being told men are the problem, that their manhood is the problem, more and more men are withdrawing into the enclave of idleness, pornography, and video games. And so what's the conclusion of the matter between the medical struggles, the physical struggles, the cultural struggles, you know, the political struggles, manhood in America, and probably throughout Western civilization, has been so beaten down for so long, a lot of young men are just giving up. And Joshua Peterson, uh, he recently did a video challenging the Christian church along these lines. He is another one that, that sees something terribly has gone wrong when it comes to raising our sons in manhood. And so he, he, he gave this video to the Christian church, and this is what he said in essence. He stated that every church should have a billboard stating, young men want it. Come in here. We need you, young men, and you need us. Now, I don't know where Jordan Peterson is completely with the Lord. I know he's been on a journey. Uh, I don't know if he's a born-again man, um, but he's definitely seen things more from a biblical perspective. There's no doubt about that, but he gets it. You know, I recently uh, had a podcast interview with Michael Foster, and again, he co-authored this excellent book, It's Good to be a man and i'm going to have that link in there and i encourage again every man to get this book because he's approaching it from more of a biblical worldview than let's say a medical or secular worldview though he knows uh it has implications in those realms but he's trying to get to the root of the problem and not just treat symptoms and so you know he gets it and the point being is he knows the enemy's strategy is to go after the young men because whoever gets the young men, you know, wins the future. And why is that? Because patriarchy is inevitable. It is so inevitable, again, when we look at what has happened to feminism and its bitter fruit, what do we find? We find the woman of the year is a man we're finding we're finding men 
are, are winning women's beauty contests. What else are we finding, finding and discovering? That it's men pretending to be women that are dominating women's sports. And so patriarchy is inevitable. There is no doubt about it because that's the way God created. Now you can distort it, you can pervert it, but it's there. We cannot avoid it. It's just which patriarchy? The God-ordained patriarchy that is to be a blessing to women and children where they're loved and care and provided for, or this distorted, perverted patriarchy that raises sons either to be prone to the gang thug life because they grew up in fatherless homes where these boys who are deeply hurt grow up to be abusive bullies, violent men, or they become sissified wimps that are a prey to the homosexual agenda. And we see this happening in our day. Well, here's the biblical truth we must wrestle with, brothers and sisters. We know that God judges and restores nations based upon leadership. If you go to Isaiah chapter 3 and you read verses 1 through 12, we find two, well, a few important truths that relate specifically to what's going on in our nation. So Isaiah talks about what happens when a nation's sayings and doings are against the Lord. A couple of things happen. Number one, the mighty men, the male judges, the respectable male elders, and the true male prophets in the land, they will be ignored. They will be disrespected. They will be marginalized. And if they continue to stand for the Lord when the nation becomes that wicked, they will be penalized. And what's the culmination of, of a nation that's in rebellion against King Jesus and his kingdom? You can find it in Isaiah 3, verse 12. Children will become our oppressors and women will rule over us. Oh, my people, those who lead you cause you to err and destroy the way of your paths. And so here we are in the enlightened, sophisticated 21st century, such an educated people. And here's the deal. The more we say down with patriarchy and the more we say up with feminism, the further and further we're descending into God's judgment upon this nation. So is there any hope? Well, with Christ, our Lord, and his kingdom, absolutely. Now, there is no doubt God's judgment is upon the land due to our national sins and abominations that have reached heaven. And I don't know what we're going to negotiate through, but I do know this. God does judge and restores nations based upon leadership. We're in Isaiah chapter 3. The good godly men are ignored penalized, you know, marginalized, the cancel culture goes after them uh, to make them ineffective uh, when it comes to decisions in our nation. 
And, you know, the whole children are our oppressors. We see that in this generation. And women are ruling over us. And not just liberal uh, feminists, but even conservative women. And again, we must understand this from a biblical perspective. That's God's rebuke to failed manhood in our nation. And uh, this is a part of his judgment that's upon us. So is there any hope? Well, we know that God judges nations by turning us over to weak, inept, wicked rulers. Uh, but we also see biblically that God restores nations based upon leadership. And we get that principle from the book of Judges. Throughout the book of Judges, there were patterns of Israel, you know, where they're walking with God, they're being obedient, they're blessed, nobody can touch them, they're prospering, but then in their prosperity, and you know, there's that, the meme that's going on right now, and it, it has a lot of truth to it. It talks about, you know, hard times produce strong men, strong men produce good times, good times produce soft men. Well, let me tell you something, you know, when the children of Israel walked in the blessing of God, in the prosperity of God, they began to indulge the flesh like we're prone to do, and so they would let up morally, uh, they go a whoring after other gods, they assimilate the idolatry of the pagan nations, uh, God would be displeased with them, uh, he would chastise them, and eventually he would just lift his hand of protection, and the surrounding nations would come in to oppress them. They would come under tyranny, and that's literally happening to us today. The patterns of the Lord remain the same in his word, and we got to recognize what season we are in. We are being chastised by the Lord, and one of the clear ways we know that he's doing this is those that hate you rule over you. And so this is going down. Well, what would the children of Israel do? Well, they would repent. They would cry out to God, right? They would seek his face, and God in his tender mercy and his loving kindness, he would hear those prayers. Uh, he would raise up champion judges, and that godly leadership would drive out the enemies of the Lord, reestablish the land in righteousness where the land would have peace and prosperity once again. And so, brothers and sisters, if this is the true biblical pattern, okay, that God judges and restores nation based upon leadership, and I'm talking specifically male leadership here, women can lead. There's no doubt about that. But they're not to lead as men. They're to lead as women. And we got that confused, especially in the church of Jesus Christ. We got to get this right first in the church before we're ever going to have a righteous impact in that culture, that culture of death that is just savaging this generation. And so here, here's the thing, brothers and sisters. If this pattern is true, and as we look on the horizon and look at the future, what should the church be about? We started, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What is the Spirit of God? saying to the churches when it comes to this important matter of manhood and the future critically important so if this is the pattern 
you know, what I would submit to you, my brothers and sisters, we got to be a little more conscientious and we got to be a little bit more deliberate when it comes to raising our sons in the faith that they understand the demand of biblical masculinity and biblical uh, manhood. We have to consciously disciple and mentor young men in this vision and mission. Because right now, I'm just telling you, we, the church, have to start first in rejecting the spirit of the age and this bubble wrap generation that we have raised that literally doesn't know the difference between a boy and a girl. And I get it, brothers and sisters. This is a tightrope because, you know, we we do have a biblical duty to protect our children from, you know, physical, spiritual, and moral harm. I get that. But in this generation, it's like we overprotected them to the point, and I see this in the homeschool movement so much. Like when we did the, the men's boot camp, there was a lot of homeschool young men. And they, for the first time in their young life, they were awakened to how soft and weak they truly were physically, mentally, and spiritually. It really came to light. Now, thanks be to God, it lit a fire in them. And, and some of them, they're, 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 they're signing up for the gym. They're changing their diet. Uh, they're going to study to show themselves approved. They took very serious the biblical responsibilities and duties to become young men in the Lord. And I praise God for that fruit, but it just revealed we, we were raising our sons and daughters, but particularly our sons, in such a soft, weak way, they can't handle the rigors of life. And they don't have the wherewithal to overcome. That has got to change, brothers and sisters. It has to. Again, I'm not saying... Put them purposely in a way of, you know, some harm. But you know what? You know, young boys, they, they, they need challenges. They need sports. They, they, they need competition. They, they need to, you know, do their best and get hurt and, and rise up and overcome. You know, I, I say this all the time to my family. You know, as a man, yeah, I may be sick. I may be hurt. Uh, but my duties and responsibilities as a man doesn't cease because I'm hurting or I'm in pain. People are counting on me. I got to continue to go. I got to continue to perform because if I don't, things are going to fall apart. They're going to fall apart real quickly. And that burden is going to fall upon my wife and my children and my grandchildren. God forbid that takes place. And so we, we can no longer afford to, to raise wimps for Christ. And unfortunately, that is what we have done to a large degree. And so, brothers and sisters, remember this principle. God judges and restores nations based upon male leadership. And if that is true, what should we be about in these days when it comes to manhood and the future of this planet. So brothers and sisters, that was my challenge at the uh, Manhood Boot Camp Conference. And I pray, brothers and sisters, that this um, 
has uh, some things for you to pray about and think about uh, as we approach this important topic because it definitely has serious implications for the future. Amen? Well, this is Rusty Thomas. This is Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. And as usual, you keep pressing on to that high calling prize in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints.